It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, folks, welcome back to LettermanRow.com. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. We're talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting. Uh, and, well, Spencer, we have a bad stuff to talk about first. And this happened a few days ago, but, you know, after a couple of days of letting it digest, um, it doesn't really feel any different. I mean, it seems like the Desan McCullough decommitment was – somewhat inevitable from the minute that his brother committed to Indiana uh, two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, you, you thought that the way that Desan had basically given everything to helping recruit the Ohio State recruiting class in the last year, that maybe it would be a harder decision. But ultimately, I guess family is family, and that is something you just don't get to walk away from. Yeah, family wins out. You know, almost every time family is going to win out. You know, when you think about Ohio State and the way, you know, I, I think in the linebacker room, it's even evident Al Washington turned down a defensive coordinator position because of his family. So, I mean, like Ohio State preaches family in every corner of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And so for a linebacker to say, hey, coach, I want to go play with my family, you can't really blame the kid. You can't really knock the kid. A lot of people are going to say, well, have fun wins, you know, six, seven games a year while Ohio State's winning Big Ten championships. Well, he's going to do that with his family. And so it, it's kind of hard to to really say anything other than that. I think there's been a lot made about this decommitment, a lot made about this decision. There's really not much to to really dissect with it. it it's, it's just a family decision. And, and you know, you kind of have to respect it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody should harbor any ill will towards Desan um, for for the choice. It's certainly, you know, there. It's easy for people on the outside looking in to be like, "Oh, that's a bad business decision." But hey, if Indiana goes out and wins nine, ten games a year with his family leading the charge, they're going to be like uh, heroes in Bloomington forever. And Desan was born in Cincinnati, but he did spend most of his youth growing up in Bloomington. It is sort of home for him. Um, and, you know, you just wish him well. We've had him on our shows multiple times. He's a great kid. I, I think that, uh, you know, it speaks actually a lot about him as a person to know that he felt like he had to make that difficult decision. But the good news is, is that he made it quickly. And because this could have lingered, right? This could have gone until December. And then, then you make the decision. Uh, and if that happens, then you leave Ohio State sort of in the lurch. And he didn't want that to happen. And he knew that if he wants to build the best Indiana recruiting class that he can, he had to get in early. So uh, good luck to Desan McCullough moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, it, it could have even happened down the road even further than that. And, you know, play one year at Ohio State and then go play with your family. So it, it's not a decommitment is never good timing for Ohio State. But if there's going to be one, this is probably the ideal time to have one because the recruiting dead period is almost over. Everything's about to open back up for business and you can start to to nail down a couple potential replacements for Desan McCullough. And, and not to make, you know, or to minimize it or make light of it. But if there's a guy in that linebacker group that is easier to replace, it's probably Desan because he does not have necessarily what I would call a set position. I mean, he's still listed as a safety in his recruiting profiles. He's still, there's questions about whether or not he gets big enough to maybe put his hand in the ground. 
You don't know uh, exactly from a linebacker perspective which role he fits. He's obviously a very talented player, a top 50 prospect uh, right now, but that prospect is, is based on what he can become uh, four or five years from now, not necessarily what he is right now. And right now, what he was for Ohio State was a, a positionless player um, with some question marks. And, and I've actually heard, Spencer, that there were some schools using the commitment of Desan McCullough against Ohio State in the recruitment of Xavier Wampa, which is interesting trying to convince Wampa that he and Desan McCullough were being recruited for the same position, which is not true. But at the same time, uh, Ohio State had to deal with that. And now, I guess, in a way, you don't have to. Um, and you can eliminate any of those potential um, misdirections from other schools. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's two sides of that coin where, you know, uh, Desan McCullough was active in the recruitment to Ohio State of Xavier Wampa. And so it's just interesting the dynamic that's going on on the defensive side of the ball right now with Ohio State when where they have to find a replacement for a positionless player, which you, you say, well, it might be easier because now you can just go find the best athlete to play defense. But it's it's just not that easy. And then you throw in the layer of, you know, he was a great recruiter for Ohio yeah. State in this class. And, and it is a big loss for the class. But I think it's something that the Buckeyes can overcome, uh, you know, in relative short order. One of the key elements of it, and I talked about it on Letterman Live on Monday, was that for the last year, Ohio State thought that it had locked up its three linebacker targets for this class. And so you didn't really need to spend too much time building relationships elsewhere. Yeah, you, you kept things warm. You know, you, you you stayed in touch with players like Sean Murphy. You, you continued to recruit guys like Jalen uh, Walker, who committed to Georgia. You continue to recruit guys like Jihad Campbell, who's a talented player that could be a defensive end or a linebacker. Um, so you, you still keep some of the embers burning, but you dirt, you certainly weren't like pushing things full fledged into, uh, in fuego territory with anyone. Now you're in a position where you have to kind of make up, um, a ground in, in recruitments where you had not really made any real attempt. Um, uh, on Monday on the website, I did write a couple names and one of them was Michigan state commit Malik Spencer, who's from Buford high school down in Georgia. It's the high school that produced Harry Miller to Ohio State. It's the high school where Jake Pope, the 2022 safety, uh, who's making an official visit to Ohio State, plays. So the Buckeyes have good relationships there. And they they had reached out to Malik Spencer a little bit, even as far back as March. Um, but then he committed to Michigan State. So you really weren't sure if it was worth the continued effort. I think he's a guy that they will continue to push um, to just try to build a relationship with to see if there's any potential interest. I'd have to think there is. I've heard of some folks uh, inside the Ohio State program who liken Malik Spencer's game, and you should go to the huddle, folks, if you want to check it out, to, to Darren Lee. Um, he kind of looks like him. If, if you go to my Monday story, you can see a photo uh, of Malik Spencer from my most recent trip to Georgia. So you can kind of see that. But it tells me, Spencer, that the Buckeyes are looking for that hybrid-type player as opposed to a traditional, like, you know, six foot three, 235 pound linebacker, which is why when I, I see people in the Twitter sphere and in the rest of the recruiting uh, world for Ohio State talking about Sean Murphy is like the, okay, well now it's Sean Murphy's turn. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily true because I still don't know if that's the fit that they're looking for um, with, with Gabe Powers, who maybe could play that role already. Um, I, I think that the interest in guys like 
uh, Malik Spencer, and then there's a, a young guy who I wrote about on Tuesday in Dotting the Eyes um, named uh, Austin jo- um, uh, a little bit Austin Brown from Illinois, who's another guy that is a six foot one, two hundred pound safety slash linebacker. Like he, you know, these are the types of positions I think they're looking for. They're looking for those Court Williams types that can really fit the mold of of playing that bullet position, which now all of a sudden seems to be a real thing. Well, yeah. And when you look at the Ohio State roster, you've got two different avenues that that bullet position can take. It can take the Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman route, a long guy who's kind of a tweener between a linebacker and a safety who can, you know, fly around the field, or it can be a little bit smaller guy who's not as long, but is still just as productive, if not more productive there in Court Williams. So Ohio State, I don't think is going to commit to a body type in that bullet role. I think it's just going to be whoever's the best athlete there. Desan McCullough fit, in my opinion, what Craig Young can be for the defense, whereas, you know, a Malik Spencer or an Austin Brown could be what Court Williams could be for this defense. And so I think there's a little bit of that, the positionless nature but you see Ohio State not really choosing a body type, but really just getting both of those body types in there and then seeing which works the best in that position. Yeah, we've talked about it a number of times. The Buckeyes are just looking for athletes. They're looking for the best players they can find. Austin Brown is a guy that runs a, like a sub, a, like a 10-9 in the 100. He's very fast. And, and not to beat a dead horse, but he's a kid in Illinois who is now finally getting to have some junior film put on tape. And once you see that, you're going to see new names pop up. The Buckeyes offered uh, Sherrod Koval uh, from Virginia, who's another player, kind of more in that Ronnie Hickman role, I think, uh, a few weeks ago. Again, junior tape is now available. Omarion Hampton, the running back in North Carolina, the junior film is now available. So you're starting to see these offers come. And that's why, you know, when we've talked in the last year about the decision to accept so many early commitments was a little bit of a risk because you just don't know uh, what is going to happen when everyone else is back to playing? And um, the Buckeyes have tried really hard in the last few months to to maintain patience and to not um, force any offers or to accept any decisions from kids that maybe they weren't sure on. Um, and now, as we head into May with with June right around the corner, you're going to actually get a chance to get these kids on campus and and get them in front of the coaches and let them get evaluated, let them run around. So a lot of these questions that are still out there are going to be answered in short order. Um, and that really will make things a lot easier for Ohio State to figure out exactly what they want to replace Desan McCullough. If we're looking at a traditional linebacker, you got to maybe one like David Bailey out at Modern Day High School. And we've talked about Modern Day over and over and over again. And the Buckeyes still haven't found a way to, to land anyone from that school, which is probably the country's most talent-rich high school. Um and so you don't know, maybe maybe you make a push there and say, hey, David, you could be our guy. He's not underrated by any stretch, but he is like he's a very different type of player. He does not even have a Twitter account, like he's not someone interested in all the recruiting stuff. The, the buzz around him is that he's likely to stay home uh, and either play at USC or even Cal is a, a big one that gets mentioned with him. Uh, but the Buckeyes are at least, you know, uh, getting a temperature check there to see about him. He, he's a four star more of that traditional linebacker size. He's like the 6'3", 225 guy that um, people think of as a traditional outside linebacker. So there's just a lot of options and a lot of names that are going to keep popping up over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think there's even some guys, you know, if you look in the top 100, 150, 200, there's even some guys that are not even on the radar right now at Ohio State. Well, 
you know, they always are because they're top 200 players, but aren't really in the conversation for Ohio State. Once they make those visits and everything, Ohio State could start to creep into, you know, um, you know, good, good standing with some of these guys that are really, really talented and high four-star, even five-star guys. They just haven't gotten the chance to speak to Ohio State enough yet. And so I think not only are you going to see some of these under-the-radar guys start to creep up on Ohio State's board, you're going to see some of the already highly rated guys begin to really – Ohio State can really start to make a push for them once they get them on campus. It's, it's fascinating how backlogged all of this recruiting stuff is right now. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, and I've talked about it over and over, Ohio State's top choice at linebacker, even – with the three guys committed, the, the top choice for who they would want to supplement Hicks, Powers, and McCullough was, was Jalen Walker out of North Carolina. That was the guy that they really had targeted and thought he was the right fit. Um, he committed to Georgia kind of out of the blue. That surprised people. Maybe you can get an opportunity to, to get him back into the mix. I doubt it. Uh, even if he does end up decommitting from Georgia, I think Clemson is the school that would be next in line. Again, Jihad Campbell, we've talked about. They felt that really good about Jihad Campbell when he was in New Jersey. Um, and he went down to IMG and now doesn't even really list them in, in his top five or top six. But I don't think that they're done trying. They're trying to figure out what happened um, to, to that relationship and what caused it to go kind of uh, downhill relatively quickly. Um, but maybe now that there's an opening, maybe now that there's a, more of a um, – a clear path to his role in the defense. Maybe he's more receptive to the message. I'm not entirely sure. I have not talked to Jihad in, in, in a minute. Um, so, you know, there are names that we've talked about in the past again, and I don't want to discount the possibility of Sean Murphy being that guy. Sean Murphy does have family ties to, to Youngstown, Ohio. He's someone that Al Washington's continued to talk to and serve as sort of a mentor to uh, over these last few months. Uh, I know that they talk of, somewhat regularly and almost never about football. Um, so there is an opportunity there. If Sean's a kid that wants to to make a, a visit to Ohio State and work out for them and show them what he's uh, done with his body in the last year, because, you know, when if we're calling a spade a spade, Spencer, when we saw him last summer, he looked to me to be a, a step or two behind CJ Hicks as far as development. Um, so you'd like to see if that's been uh, addressed and how how the last year has changed things for him. Um, especially because Virginia, he didn't even get to play a junior season because of a secondary COVID outbreak this, this spring. So their entire senior tape or junior tape got wiped away anyway. So um, there are just tons of names, tons of opportunities. And uh, we at Letterman Row are going to continue to try to track them. Um, but just stay patient because that's what Ohio State has tried to do with the class in general. There's just a lot happening um, at linebacker. And, and you look at this two weeks ago, Ohio state probably had the best collection of linebacker talent in the 2022 class in the country. Just, you know, the three guys that they had now, all of these questions are starting to come back up on where did the Buckeyes turn? Um, I hope that the people learn something from, from your, you know, knowledge on the situation and the linebackers that, that Ohio state's going to go after. Sean Murphy is an interesting one to me. I think if he can can gain that step back and can get can get back, uh, you know, get his body right, get his get his physical play right, everything like that. If he puts on a show in his senior year, I think if he's patient, then Ohio State can be patient and wait on him. I think that's probably a you know a good fit if he takes those steps. But like you said, from what we saw out of him, you know, we just C.J. Hicks just looked to be a a better player. You know, and you don't want to be that you know too blunt with a guy who was just coming off a sophomore year. But C.J. Hicks right. just looked better. 
Right, and that's that, that is the thing. I mean, what you said is perfectly spot on. If these players are willing to be patient, Ohio State's in a position now where they're going to be patient. They're not going to rush into a commitment from another linebacker unless it was a Jalen Walker or Jihad Campbell. That's pretty much the only guys that they'd be like, oh yes, absolutely, right now, go ahead. Um, and and so now you have this time to sort of evaluate it and to make sure that you're getting the right fit for the program and for the defense. And um, there, there's certainly going to be more names that pop up and. And, you know, the thing is, Spencer, and I don't I don't think this is going to happen for Ohio State. Um, of course, I didn't think that Sam McCullough was going to decommit two weeks ago, but I don't really think that there's any other players in the Ohio State class that are in jeopardy of, you know, uh, rescinding their verbal. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of talk from people about Jair Brown. That's continued for the last year since he committed. That's just a byproduct of who Jair is. He's a, a kid that likes to talk. He, he is not afraid to tell people what he's thinking. Um, and like a lot of these kids, especially in the class of 2022, which as I talked about with Chris McClellan on Vermonology on Monday, like, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The class of 2021 had the opportunity in, in the summer of 2019 to do camps and make visits. The class of 2023 has that opportunity this summer and next year. The class of 2022 got boned pretty hard. I mean, <laughs> they got screwed. And so a lot of these kids are in a position now where they're like, hey, I can finally make some trips and see other schools. And even the ones that committed early, kids like Jared Brown especially, are probably going to take that opportunity to do so. Does that mean he's going to flip somewhere else? I don't think so. I think that there was a little bit of momentum building for Notre Dame in the last month plus, and he was supposed to make a visit there, uh, a self-guided tour there um, in April and didn't happen after his father passed away. Uh, And there's now a little bit of belief, I guess, from the Irish side of things that maybe that window of opportunity for them has closed a little bit. The simple truth of the matter is outside of and outside of Quinn Ewers, Jaheim Singletary, CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, um, maybe Bennett Christian because of his just prowess as a recruiter and the fact that he's put so much on the line for Ohio State already spurning his, you know, his legacy at Tennessee, et cetera. I mean, I don't know if anyone's irreplaceable at this point. I mean, I you know, half of the class, I guess I just named half the class. So I guess half the class is irreplaceable. But when you look at cornerback, for example, if Jair Brown decided to to go elsewhere, Ohio State has a number of players that it's talking to and looking at a corner, including guys like Ryan Turner and Toriano Pride and Austin Jordan. Like there's a lot of guys out there that they could turn to. You don't offer a player like J.R. Brown and take a commitment from him as early as they did if they didn't believe he was the right fit for the defense. But I don't think that there's going to be much sweating at Ohio State about anyone in this class because the Buckeyes know where they are in the hierarchy of college football. Yeah, and you know, 99% of, of high school athletes that are being recruited by Division One programs are lining up and beating down the door of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center to play at Ohio State. And that's just a simple fact. Maybe it's 95%. But, you know, they're lining up at the door to play at Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, you know, Oregon, the, the very top crop of schools, Oklahoma, I guess, 
so you don't worry about any of these guys really, but you also, they also understand like, you know, they're in the class already. They, they should, they should take that seriously. They should want to play at Ohio state. They're talented enough to, but you know, you didn't even mention Caleb Burton in there. And that tells you a lot because I don't think he, I don't think you mentioned Caleb Burton. I don't think he's irreplaceable either because Brian Hartline is the best wide receivers coach in America and every yeah. receiver, most receivers want to play for him. So even if, he were to do something and he's not going to, but even if he were to do something, he's not irreplaceable. And so nobody in this class, other than probably, in my opinion, Quinn Ewers is, is irreplaceable, maybe Jaheim Singletary, but yeah. Well, I think, I think, like I said, I mean, I, I think CJ Hicks is on that level. I, I, I think CJ Hicks might be the most talented linebacker prospect in the country. Maybe that's a little bit of bias on my part because I've seen him so much. Um, but if you watch CJ and you see CJ and the size and the speed and just the overall uh, package that he brings, it's pretty special. And uh, I think that obviously when you're talking about Quinn Ewers, that's the guy. I mean, he's the number one player in the country. He's been the number one ranked player in the country in his class for a year. There's no reason to think that's going to change. And, you know, I don't remember exactly who it was and I apologize. I know I should be attributing it to someone. There was a, I saw a Twitter post, uh, Somebody had an interview with Quinn where he said other schools have pretty much stopped calling because he, they know it's all Ohio State for him. Um, and that has to just be a sweet, sweet sigh of relief for, for Corey Dennis and for Ryan Day. And what I think that they would really love, and if, if we're talking about what takes this class to the next level for Ohio State, it's got to be Quinn Ewers becoming more involved. When you lose a guy like Desan McCullough, who's a very active, very vocal, very uh, outgoing leader, at some juncture, the quarterback has to take over the class. And ironically, at Ohio State in the last few years, Jack Miller did a nice job, you know, trying to orchestrate the class of 2020. But he had a lot of help from, from Paris Johnson in Ohio, like, um, you know, CJ Hickson is doing in Ohio. But Kyle McCord and, and Quinn Ewers have just been very, very, like, not involved in, in getting the class built. Um, Kyle did his part once kids were in the class to build relationships and stuff like that. But if you contrast that to like what uh, Caleb, uh, you know, Williams, Caleb Williams did at Oklahoma. Um, if you contrast that to what like Malachi Nelson, the class of 2023 five-star who I talked to last week, um, who said that, you know, he wants to commit early. He wants to commit this summer to, you know, probably Clemson, Oklahoma or USC because he wants every other, he wants every receiver in the country to come with him these quarterbacks, especially when you're one on the level of Quinn Ewers, like it might not be comfortable and it may not be in his entire nature, but just him being the face of the, the program, him being the face of the recruiting class and him being the leader of as far as going out and saying, Hey, you're my guy. You're someone I want to play alongside me. Quinn Ewers has a bigger impact on Keontae Goodwin, for example, than pretty much anyone else could. I mean, that, that's just the, those bonds um, are so important. And when you lose a Desan McCullough, you need to have someone like Quinn Ewers step up. Yeah, and I think I think that could change. I think that I think once Quinn gets on campus and he meets with Ryan Day and they go over, you know, whatever they need to go over on his official visit in June, you might see a little bit of a change in him. Maybe he does start to become more of that upfront, face-to-face recruiter. You might see him, you know, reach out to some more guys. I, I think that there is some power in what Ryan Day says to him whenever they they have that face-to-face meeting. And so I think you could see a little bit of a shift. But at the same time, I know that it's super important to get this class built. You can't really change who you are. 
Yeah, and he's he not, he's, he's not a very outspoken person. He's not a very vocal person. And that's probably tough to just say, hey, you have to do this now because you're committed to Ohio State. That puts a lot of pressure on him. That puts a lot of pressure on, you know, other guys, Quinn Ewers, just to reach out to him. I, I, yeah. It's an interesting balance. It's like a tightrope act that Ohio State's going to have to walk here because, like you said, they need Quinn Ewers to become a more vocal leader in this class because they they just need the number one prospect, the, the guy who's got a 1.000 rating, has right. to be a big part of the recruiting pitch. But if he doesn't want to talk and if he doesn't really – feel like being out there and being the face of everything you can't really change what he is yeah and it's not that Quinn is like shy even it's just he's just rather do other things he'd rather you know he committed he can go about his life and, and be a, a high school kid which is refreshing on one hand but we're you know we're talking about the recruiting class and how it gets built and those are things that can really change uh, a dynamic in, in a class especially again when you lose a player like Asan McCullough who was so comfortable doing that um, but you know, as we head into the summer with, we're just about five weeks away now from all 10 of those commitments being on campus on the weekend of June 4th, it, it's a real opportunity for Ohio state to, to kind of re regroup and figure out exactly where to go. They're now the number three ranked class in the country behind, uh, Georgia and LSU. Uh, and I don't care. I, I don't think Buckeyes fans should care. I mean, I know you always want to be number one and that's, you always want to win whatever you're competing in. The, the sooner we can all step back and realize Ohio State to ever finish as the number one class in the country is going to have to pull off some amazing, amazing stuff because they just simply are in a different world than the SEC in a lot of ways. And so you just you need to finish with a top three or four class every single year. And the Buckeyes are going to do that um, year in and year out under Ryan Day. So it's just about finding out who the best fit is and making sure that what now that you have June coming up and you have the opportunity to evaluate kids in person, you have the ability to camp, making sure that you're not bringing anyone on board that can't play at Ohio state because it's not the players that you, you know, miss on that matter. It's the guys you hit on that don't pan out that are the biggest, you know, issue in recruiting. So um, it's been very much trust the tape in the last year plus for the Buckeyes and, as we start to to ramp up towards June, you're going to start to see a number of new names and and new faces and and things that are are changing in the class. But I don't expect any of the current group of the ten commitments will change. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's a good place to uh, leave the people. We'll leave you people. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Automotive. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Please stay with us at lettermanrow.com and our YouTube channel for all the latest on Ohio State football and Buckeyes recruiting. Thanks for watching. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.